Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we continue with our birth stories for the summer series. Today's story comes from Elizabeth Nigro, who first broke up with her OB, then was in denial that labor was even happening, but once she let go of perfect, she ended up with an amazingly beautiful birth where she felt safe, supported, and like a superwoman. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive, pregnant, or new moms. Reduce your stress, reduce your complications, and improve your connection to your baby and partner. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. Thank you for listening and also for all the love you give the show through the, the ratings and reviews and just by telling all your pregnant friends about the podcast. Keep on doing all of that. And if you like what you hear, then make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to it, because it really does help. All right, today we continue with our birth stories for the summer series, but before we jump into today's story, here's a few questions for you. How prepared are you for life with a newborn? Do you know what to expect in terms of eating, sleeping, and growing of, you know, your baby's eating, sleeping, and growing? How are you going to deal with figuring out the baby you got and your new identity as a parent while being in a time continuum of 24-7 baby care for more than six weeks? Do you and your partner have a plan on how you will come together as a team and prioritize your sleep, nutrition, and recovery? If you're feeling overwhelmed by the mere mention of all these questions, do yourself a favor and check out my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum postpartum preparation courses at birthfulcourses.com. You know life with a newborn is going to be hard. Make it less so by taking this class. This is all really important stuff you need to know before baby arrives. Really, go sign up at birthfulcourses.com. I promise you'll be glad that you did. All right. My guest today is Elizabeth Nigro, who has a lovely hospital story to share. Welcome, Elizabeth. I'm really excited to hear all about your story. Thank you. I'm excited to tell it. Yay. Um, And it's funny because usually I know a little bit, more about people's story before we get to recording and with you I know very little so I'm super excited to find out what what happened just like you know I know about as much as our listeners do right now um so let's start at the beginning what were your birth wishes what were you expecting or wanting to have for a birth yes so they kind of changed initially I wanted I, I always wanted a vaginal birth initially I wanted an epidural Um, but then as I kind of did more research and informed myself a little bit more about all that's involved, um, I gave up on the epidural (laughs) and I wanted, so I would say from like midway through my pregnancy on, I wanted natural vaginal, like physiological birth, um, you know, as with as little intervention as possible. What changed um, your mind? On. A couple things. Um, meeting with my doula and just kind of talking about 
about birth and how things go and just for giving me information. Um, I read Ina May's uh, book, Guide to Natural Childbirth, and I was like, oh, there's like a catheter involved after. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, and then um, it was also I try to live as much of a holistic lifestyle as possible. And I was like, you know, during my whole pregnancy, like I didn't drink a drop of alcohol. I tried to do everything naturally. I'm like, so that didn't seem to match with my philosophy like on life. Mm-hmm. And then the, the biggest deal breaker, I think, was being around other women who had done it and and feeling positive about their experience and your podcast. I don't know which one it was, but I remember the statistics that were shared by one of your speakers where she said that once you have the epidural, then your chance for C-section goes up like, I think it was like 40% or something. Mm. Um, and it was so, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense how things can kind of progress into something that I didn't want. Yeah, um, and I think that was Dr. Gene DeClerc, maybe. Yeah. He's like big on stats. I'll link to that. Yeah, that was huge. Like that information, I had no idea, you know, um, and that was, I'll get into that later, but that was like something that really stuck out of my mind because I was so sure I didn't want a C-section if it could be, you know, unless obviously if it, it can, if it could be avoided, sure. I didn't want that. So... So those were those were my wishes. Mm-hmm. And then, what did you do to sort of prepare you? So, so you mentioned a doula, and yes. and reading Ina May Geisken's book and 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 listening yes. to the podcast. Yay! Yes. Um. So I did all those things. I did a bunch of research. Um, some of it came like naturally and organically. Just like a a friend who was a doula recommended your podcast. Um. So that was a little bit of my research stuff reading Ina May's book, um, meeting with my doula, I found a positive, it's called a positive birth group um, in my area. So just meeting with other like-minded women who are going through the same thing. Um, A big part of my preparation was um, breaking up with my OB (laughs) and finding a midwife practice. I love Um, how you put that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because it felt, it felt that way. Um, yeah, I had loved my OB as a gynecologist. And when I got pregnant, I was like, oh, definitely it'll be with her. And it was totally different when I was pregnant. And I felt super bulldozed when I went to my appointments with her. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable. Like, And I didn't like how I felt after every appointment. So my doula suggested a midwife practice. Um, and... I was like unsure because I felt like it's so funny the progression because initially I felt like midwives I'm like that's too like crunchy granola like for me like I don't know if I'm gonna want I don't know if I don't want an epidural and I don't know and then you know the more research that I did the more informed I was after I met with them they were just amazing and it was like the best decision that I made for my pregnancy and and the birth um so so all that cool yeah yeah, like informing myself, I guess. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, yeah. I, you make a great point with the thing with the midwives because people don't realize that basically midwives do everything OBs do yeah. except like if in, in a hospital setting, right? Except yes. things that are, you know, surgery related right. or, or medical interventions such as forceps and vacuums. And, right. it, and and if you have an epidural, that's not even the like the OB has nothing to do with there either. It's the right. anesthesiologist. Right. Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah. And it's just like, I think, I don't know, we don't maybe know enough about it, like in mainstream. Mm-hmm. So it was just like this idea I had in my head. And I, and it just made so much sense that I switched because my dual was like, everything that you want, it just seems like this might be a better fit to think about, you know? Um, so making that switch was, was big. Oh, and the business of being born, watching that documentary. Mm-hmm was part of my research (laughs) yeah yeah and it's so well and it comes back to that right there's no specifically right or wrong it's what's right for you and having that the person that fits your wishes and your needs and your lifestyle and your parenting style and your you know you yeah 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 totally and that and it was just such a big difference like my appointments like you know because there were two midwives in the practice at the time when I was with them and just I felt good after every appointment I didn't feel you know, rushed. And it's not like they did anything that was so different prenatally, Mm -hmm. um, but just the care and the philosophy was different, you know? Um, So I was so much more comfortable and felt so much more safe. Yay. (laughs) So then fast forward to birth time. How did you even know that things were going to start happening? Did you get any signs? Were you in denial? What was your initial reaction? (laughs) Denial, yes. I'm still in denial. So I was like letting everybody know not to expect a baby on his due date. Um, Because I'm like, babies don't come on their due date. Like it's a birth month and it can be before or after. And I knew he wouldn't come before. And it was funny leading up to his to his due date, um, my husband had some medical issues going on and he was okay, thank God. But there was just a lot the week before, like he was in the hospital. He was, it was crazy. So I knew he wouldn't come before, but then a couple days before his due date, we had a snowstorm. I don't know if you had one too. It was, um, it was like a major snowstorm. And I started to, that day, I remember just being irritable. Like my husband wanted to get belly shots of me. He's like, this is going to be our last chance. Like, let's get these pictures taken and I was just like cranky and irritable and I had like a very light cramping that was almost like you could not even notice it um and I was like is that anything I was like it might not be because sometimes you get that in pregnancy you know Mm -hmm. and um and then it it didn't go away and the next day I woke up with it and it was like around the same you know feeling and I was like I don't know what this is and my mom texted me She's like, what's going on? And I was telling her, she's like, that might be the baby. And I'm like, it's not the baby. He's not going to come on his due date. Don't get excited. Like, it's just, I mean, it is the baby, but it's not, you know, a sign of labor. Then it wasn't going away. And at around 1.30, oh, and, and that morning, my husband had gone back to work after being out. So I got up with him because um, I was kind of nervous about him returning to work. And I ended up taking like a two and a half hour nap, which I I like to nap, but not for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, okay, my body needs this. And I was like, this is like a warning sign, you know? And then I lost my mucus plug at 1.30. I texted my doula and I'm like, what's next? And um, and I ended up calling her and she's like, you know, it can be today. It can be like a couple days. Like we don't know, just keep me posted and maybe just, you know, do anything that you haven't gotten done or, you know, go out to lunch. Like, and I was just like, Oh my gosh, like today's icy. Cause we just had the storm the day before. I was like, I don't want to, I didn't plan on going out that day. And, um, I tried to ignore it as long as I could, which was a long time. Um, which was basically that whole, like 
almost two days. Um, so we went to a romantic lunch and then during the lunch, I kind of had the sensation like I had to use the bathroom. So it was like kind of getting into a more like intense period cramp. But again, it wasn't consistent. It would just kind of come and go. Um, we finished lunch. I ran some errands of just kind of all this stuff that I thought that I would need for the, for the birth. Um, and then we came home um, and we were and it was just, you know, we would joke when the when the cramps would come like about like, you know, I would make funny faces and we were just kind of laughing about it. And then it got not so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, around, we, you know, we ate dinner, we tried, you know, we were trying to relax at around 930. I called my duel again. And just I, I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, this is what they're talking about. Like when you can't really ignore it anymore when you're not as happy. And it was just at the point where like if it were your period and you were getting cramps, you would you might take something like an Advil or something. So that's kind of what I'm starting to feel like. And um, and I remember being like, I can't believe that the baby's coming on time because the due date was the next day. And mm. I was just like, I don't want him to come tonight. Like, I want to have one more night of like real rest. And like, I want to have him in the morning. So as if babies listen to us, right? So I took a hot shower because I heard that that could slow things down. And um, it didn't. And at 1130, I was like, my husband was like, I think we just need to die to sleep tonight. Like, let's just do whatever, like, you know, give yourself whatever your body is needing. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to labor. Like, it's not just going to, you know, trickle down or die off. Because at that point, the intensity of the contractions was like every 20 minutes to half hour. And it was very sporadic. Like, it just it wasn't a true consistent pattern. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then at 1130, I was like, you know what, I wanted to be in the bathroom. And like, there was just something instinctual. I was like, I need to be in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I felt safer, like, if I needed to use the bathroom or if I need, wanted to go in the tub or whatever. So I had my husband bring in all the pillows from our bed, and I laid down on my side in the bathroom. Um, and so that was at about 1130. At 12, I was like, call the doula, call the midwife, because the contractions, the intensity had gone from, like, maybe 20 to 30 minutes to like every three to four. And mm. I was not getting a break. Like in between, my body was shaking. So that's what I was, I remember feeling like the most like kind of annoyed about. I'm like, what happened to like the progression? Like 10 minutes, five minutes, you know, it just went from zero to 60, I felt. Um, and I wasn't like getting, getting that break because my body was like shaking so uncontrollably in between, you know? Yeah. And it's almost as if when you brought your mind, you know, sort of accepted the reality of it because you were wanting yeah. to stop it. You wanted wanting yeah. to, I just want to sleep like this is yeah. not happening today. And then you're like, all right, fine, it's going to happen. And your body's like, OK, let's do it then. You know what? I didn't think of that. You're so right. Yeah. Because as soon as my husband said that, I was like, all right, we're going to be in it. And yeah, that's when things like sped up. Um, How funny. It's so funny. And one thing that like I had got, so there's this positive birth group I was going to leading up to, to the birth and it's run by this doula who I just adore in our community. And I said to her, um, we were talking about just baby prep and stuff that I thought I needed. And, 
you know, and I was like, the next time I see you, do you think I'll have my baby? And she's like, maybe. And I was like, but like, I don't feel ready. And she's like, all he needs is you. All he ever needed was you until this point. Right. And I was like, yeah. So I reminded myself of that, you know, like I don't need to have like all the stuff because with natural birth, right, there's like the preparation for it. Like you want to have the tools that you think you might need. Um, so letting go of that, like helps me, you know, like everything doesn't have to be perfect, mm-hmm. you know, the birth bag, the stuff when we get home, like everything doesn't have to be, you know, and then that helped me to just focus on what was happening in the moment. And, um, so at about 12, my husband, he called the midwife, he called the doula, um, and the midwife wanted to speak to me, which I remember really annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a method to the madness, Elizabeth. Yeah, I know. She wanted to speak to me any time that we called her, which was really pissing me off <laughs> because I didn't want to talk. Yeah. Um, like during the contractions, like I thought I would want, I mean, Adriana, I had everything. I'd like the essential oils. I had the birth affirmations, like... I wanted stillness, um, quiet. I didn't want to be touched. Even if my husband said something affirming, like you're doing great. I was like, Shh. like during the contraction, I didn't want anything, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so we spoke and she was like, and when I told her the whole timeline, she couldn't believe I was as far along as I was. So she was like, you think you're at every four minutes? And she was like, uh, she's like, call me back in a little bit. So I was like, okay. So then at around, and then I, I wanted my doula. So she came over at around one. Mm-hmm. Um, when she came over, I threw up. <laughs> and uh-huh. I was like, okay, <laughs> we're in the thick of it. Um, and I remember just went, seeing her and just like, uh, being like, that, her name was Maggie and just being like Maggie and just like wanting that compassion from her. Cause it was hard, you know, like, at that point, I was really in the thick of it. And for me, I didn't know what point I was, which I think was a little nerve wracking because I didn't want to go to the hospital and, and not be far along. But then I also, it was getting very intense. And I didn't know if this was like just the beginning or like this was like, I didn't know where I was, you know, on the spectrum of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, she just held my hand. I stayed on the bathroom floor. And then she's like, we should call the midwife again. And so I called her again. And I and I told my husband, I'm like, I do not want to speak to her. I'm like, she can speak to you. She can speak to Maggie. I do not want to be on the phone. And she was like, I need to talk to her. <laughs> and um, my husband's like, she's kind of, you know, indisposed at the moment. And he's like, she's like, I'll wait. <laughs> I'm like, have her speak to the doula. She's like, no, I want to talk to her. And then I got on the phone with her. And um, But that should be a sign in itself that you don't want to talk to her. I didn't want to talk to right. her. And she was like, and she, the thing is, she didn't want to say much. She just wanted to listen. She's like, how you doing? And I'm like, ah, oh. I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, and she was just essentially waiting to see how long the contractions were, like while she was on the phone with me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, this is like every two minutes. How far are you guys away from the hospital? And we were 25 minutes away. So she's like, you guys should head, head up. And so, and then I didn't even think about that. That took a while because you don't want to, I didn't want to move at all. So getting ready to go to the hospital, mm. you know, and um, not that I was 
you know, doing a whole lot, but just even putting on your shoes and it was icy out. So getting out to the car and all that stuff. And plus you're contracting every two minutes. So every two minutes you're stopping to like focus on that and it can, it can take quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then the car ride can, can get a little uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to stop you right now and we're going to take a break. Sleep makes everything better. In fact, along with nutrition and exercise, sleep is the third pillar of health. But if you're pregnant or have a kid or two or three, chances are you're not getting the sleep you need. And we all know that when mom's not happy, no one's happy. Fortunately, improving the quality of the little sleep you're getting can make your life so much better. Let Reverie help you with that. Their power beds can improve issues like back pain, general discomfort, swollen feet, and more. I personally really love their Zero-G setting coupled with a full-body wave massage as a way to maximize my power naps. It is so nice. With over 10 different power bed models to choose from and prices starting at $7.99 for a queen size, Reverie makes it affordable to invest in better sleep. Plus, retailer financing can bring monthly payments down to as little as $20 per month, which is probably less than what you are currently spending on the coffee you are drinking to keep you awake because you're so exhausted. Cut out the coffee middleman and get better sleep instead. Learn more and get your own at momsneedsleep.com slash birthful. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. And we're back. So, okay, Elizabeth, tell us. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're getting ready to, you're in the car, you're on your way to your hospital, uh, to the hospital. What, how was that? What's happening? So we had the huge snowstorm the day before and the roads weren't totally clear. <laughs> so... And I have, so it wasn't 25 minutes away then. <laughs> yeah. And I also have a Fiat. <laughs> so navigating the ice and the snow and like my little car and just the bumps was because, again, it was that movement during the contractions, you know, mm-hmm. there were I, I was able to get through it. The ride was mostly highway. So that was a blessing. And it was like pretty straightforward. When we got there, there were when we got to the hospital, my husband ended up going at the wrong entrance and I was like, just wherever we are, just stop. And he's like, but we're at the wrong entrance. I'm like, it's okay. I just need to get through this contraction. Like stop driving the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when we got there, um, they were just so great. The one of the nurses came out with a wheelchair and I just remember thinking, how am I going to make it in there with like the bumping of the wheelchair to get inside the hospital? Like I, it was that rocking and the movement that I was so, um, wary of you know and and we did it though you know she was like she was like how you doing and you know I was just like my husband's like yeah we're doing no talking I even remember him being like hey how are you and I was like Shh. <laughs> to the nurse you know I was like, no talking and um and so then we we got up you know we went through the parking lot of the snow with the wheelchair we got up to the hospital room and I do remember getting to the hospital like feeling relieved because I knew I had done so much research with where I wanted to have the baby and, and with the midwife I was having him with. And I just felt so like I was in good hands. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I got there. Um, and so we got to the hospital room and, um, they were like, you know, here's a gown. And I had even got like a, you know, laboring gown. I wanted to be naked. I was like, I don't give, you know, you were really in it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't care about a gown. (laughs) Like, I don't want any, I don't want anything touching me. Um, we got there. I actually threw up again, which I was like, wow, okay. And, um, 
And it was that I had the sensation like I wanted to be sitting on the toilet. Like I just wanted to be, I think it was because all of that pressure, you know, I just, that, it was that primal instinct. Like I'm like, I want to be on the toilet. And my midwife had asked actually before we left, she was like, oh, did you have the bloody show? Which I thought was the mucus plug. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I had my mucus plug come out at like 1.30. And then when I, when I was leaving for the hospital, I'm like, I was bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I, I told my doula, I'm like, is this normal? Like I'm bleeding. And she's like, yeah. So I didn't know that either. I like in all my research, I missed that, that, that that's the bloody show, you know? So when I got to the hospital, that was happening. And my midwife was like, don't worry, you're going to go into the, um, they had a jacuzzi not to give birth in, but to labor in. Um, so she was like, you know, you'll go in there. That's what the water's for. Like, you'll be, you'll be good. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm bleeding. Like, is that normal? She's like, yeah. And so then she checked me and I was preparing myself even in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, when they check me for how far along I am, like I might, I might've learned this from your podcast too. I'm like, I might be less dilated than I think I am. So I was just preparing myself for like, if that was going to be disappointing and like not to get caught up in how far along I was, you know? And so my midwife's like, yeah, so you felt like you haven't had a break because you haven't had one. You're nine centimeters dilated. And I was like, what? Check you out. (laughs) And the nurse was like, what? She's like, I, you're like, you're a first time mom. And I was like, yeah. So I felt like a rock. That was like the best news. I felt so empowered and so strong. And like, and that's when the whole idea too of the epidural just like completely went out the window, you know, cause I was like, there's no way there is no way. And I remember just being so relieved at that point because I'm like, we're there, you know? Um, and, and it was so funny because I had every oil, I had candles, I had all this stuff. I didn't want anything. Like really, I just wanted to be lying down the whole time. So I got in the water. Um, it was a jacuzzi tub and I remember that initially it felt good, but even that movement wasn't like helping me during the contractions. Like it felt kind of bothersome, like a distraction. Um, And I didn't want any oils or anything like that, like any smells. I didn't want any of that. Um, And I labored in the jacuzzi tub for maybe it was like an hour. Um, So we got to the hospital, it was around 2.30. I was in the tub, yeah, probably for about an hour. And there were two birth affirmations that stood out when I got from you, which was I can do hard things. the second was a psalm, uh, Psalm 139. Um, I praise thee because we are wonderfully and fearfully made. So just knowing that my body was created to do this helped me. And then in the tub, the contractions, I don't know if they became more, in, they definitely became more intense. Um, and they felt different than the ones at home. Like I felt like I was really in it when I was in that tub. They were, they were, you know, all in. And I remember saying, I love you to the baby. Um, and that helped me, um, just relax, you know? And then my midwife was like, you know, if you want to try to start to push, you can. And I never got the urge to push. Like I never felt that urge, like, oh my gosh, I have to start pushing now. Um, but after I was in there for a while, she was like, why don't, why don't we try? Why don't we try pushing? So, I moved from the jacuzzi onto the bed. And I remember looking at the bed and being like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to walk there. And she was like, 
you know, and it was, she was my midwife just believing in me. She was like, you can do it. Like she never, there never was a doubt in her mind, you know, about how things were going. And that gave me a lot of empowerment and reassurance. Like even when I was in the tub laboring, she was just in the corner watching. Like she wasn't, you know, it just, it was perfect because I felt like I had it and everyone was relaxed. And so I felt so relaxed. There was no fear, you know, at really at any point. Um, and so then we moved from the jacuzzi to the bed and she was like, and I remember her telling, maybe it was my doula. She was like, yeah, I think the baby will be here in 15 minutes. And I was like, oh my goodness, we're in the home stretch. <laughs> and, um, and she's like, all right, so start pushing. But it was weird because I was getting the direction to push, but I didn't have that urge. So it was a little bit of trying to follow instructions, but also like I never really felt that urge. And some of the pushes I felt like were just, they weren't doing anything. Does that make sense? Like I felt like they weren't moving the baby along. Like your efforts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And how she wanted me to push. She's like, she wanted me to hold my legs up. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I have no energy and that's hard to do, even if you have all your energy, like to hold your legs up and bear down, you know, I'm like, I have no energy. And so she, the nurse held my legs, my husband and my doula, you know, were holding my legs. And I was just trying to push like, like, you know, in my head, I'm like, she said 15 minutes. <laughs> so I was exerting my energy doing that. And, and we I was pushing probably for 30 minutes. Um, and she was just, you know, rubbing arnica oil on my perineum, you know, so she didn't want anything to tear. And, um, and she was like, you know, I see, she was just get, was giving me so much encouragement. Like I see him, he's right there. She was like, do you want to touch him? And I, I didn't want to, cause I almost didn't want to know exactly what was happening. I didn't want to, I just wanted it to happen. I just wanted my body to like do what it had to do. I didn't want to know like what stage and where. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was just like, I'm just gonna let it do its thing, kind of, you know. And um, and so then, finally, enough pushes later, his head came out, and when that happened, like, of course, everything just like came out, and I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like Superwoman. It was amazing, and um, he was put, you know, right on me, and I remember, um. Actually, I, I remember leading up to this, listening to your podcast with Wapio, and it's so funny because I remember you guys talking about, you know, women want to look at their baby, and I couldn't see him because of um, the umbilical cord was short and where he was on my chest, like, I couldn't see his face, and I was dying to look at him, mm -hmm. um, and there was a little bit of natural tearing, so that was being stitched up, so I couldn't see him for, like, I'd say, like, the first, you know, like 10 minutes, you know, because the umbilical cord was, was still attached and I was getting stitched up. Um, and then my husband cut the cord. It had stopped. And he was like, is it still pulsing? Cause like we had gone through all these, you know, birth wishes. And the funniest thing was I didn't even print out my birth plan. <laughs> there was no birth plan with me. <laughs> he knew what it was and you knew what it was. We had it in our heads and like just having the team that you want because everything got honored. Everything was honored, you know? Um, and so the cord was cut after it was done pulsing. And then I got to see him and it was just, 
like the most amazing, wonderful feeling. And just knowing that I had the birth that I wanted and like we were both intervention free because that's what I really wanted um, and that that was honored and that we did it, you know, and that we could like we could get up and walk around like I didn't have to recover from something that I didn't want, you know, and that wasn't medically necessary, you know, um, that was that was the most amazing thing. And um, and yeah, so we had lots and lots of skin to skin. I thought it was like it went by so fast. I thought it was like 20 minutes. And later, my husband and Dula were like, no, it was like two hours, you know, that he was on you. And um, they put warm blankets over us. Midwife came over and just explained about breastfeeding and, and suckling and um, I think it was born with a little bit of a tongue tie. So then that was the start of another story. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he was here and we were all just elated and happy and awestruck. And, and I remember just being super high on hormones, like feeling like I could knock down a building if I had to, you know. And that is such a fantastic story. I mean, just you, all the preparation that you did ahead of time and all your change of, you, you, all of that paid off in the sense that you realized what were the things that might not be so fluid when you were in labor and switched yeah. it up early on in the process. Um, and the fact that you like were ignoring it until you can't ignore it anymore and then finally let your body do it and got yes. to the hospital and were nine, like yes. such good flow. Such good flow. And it never I mean, I had on my phone saved like the um spinning baby stuff, what to do when labor stops and all that and I didn't use any of it. None of it. <laughs> Absolutely none of it. Um but it was all there, you know, in yeah. case you needed it. Um, well, and I think all those things are important in case you need yeah. it. Like the oils yeah. and your, like, dep- all, every birth is so different. You don't know. But when it does yeah. just go and flow like yours yeah. did, then, yeah. yeah, you don't have time for anything. And, and so great because, yeah. I mean, yeah. that doesn't it's get better point. than that, right? Sure. And I don't know if this was helpful too, like, as and I actually forgot about it, but I'm thinking about it now as I'm talking. Um, with the midwife practice I had, there was an amazing pelvic floor physical therapist mm. and I had um, pubic symphysis. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of pubic pain and she helped me a lot and she worked with me a lot before the birth. So she's amazing. And I don't know if that was part of it too. Like everything was very kind of engaged and, and loose and where maybe it should be. Um, right. And balanced and, and yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, if you, anybody, and this is something that we're trying, we're finding out more and more about like the importance of having good balance in all your tissues Mm -hmm. and your pelvic bowl and, and the importance of a a pelvic PT for sure. If, if, yeah, if like you're in pain and, you know, um, because by the end of the, I couldn't, I can't imagine feeling how I did mid-pregnancy at the end of the pregnancy, having having not have gotten help for that, because um, it was night and day, yeah. you know. And it's so, and it's very encouraging to hear also that 
you you don't just have to grin and bear your pubic symphysis pain. Yeah. Of course, that you know there you can get relief from a, right. a specific practitioner, be it that or right. chiropractic or whatever it is that works for the you know the specifics of the situation. Right. Which was another change because when I, I remember talking about it with my OB and she's like, oh, that's that's pregnancy. And I remember talking about it with the midwife when I got there and she's like, yeah, you know, let's hook you up with this person because there's something you can do about it, you know. Um, mm. So, again, it was like another um, just sign that to listen to my intuition and like it didn't feel right because it wasn't right for me. And um, and yeah just and I and I felt really it was just amazing because I felt like proud of myself for just following my intuition and tapping into for me it was like prayer and my spirituality and all of that and all that was leading me to kind of make the decisions that I made um because I just didn't feel like I would I would have had the birth that I wanted had I stayed where I where I was, even though my body was capable of doing the same exact thing. Like, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because things would have been different in different in in little nuanced but significant ways. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have and off off the bat, I'm thinking I wouldn't have felt as comfortable and I would have been dreading going to the hospital and, you know, what is she going to say? Am I going to get what I want? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, so all that was just gone and I was able to just focus, you know, focus on the moment and it, and, oh, and something that I forgot to mention, which was big, um, when I was in the jacuzzi, cause things had intensified so much at that last, last stretch, I remember having this visual and I remember thinking of the women that I met at this positive birthing group and the women that had had natural births that had, you know, positive stories. I remember visualizing them coming around me and just supporting me and giving me that strength I needed for the last stretch. And that was big. That's when I was like, okay, I can do the very last leg of this, you know, um, Hmm. that got me through just knowing that they exist. (laughs) I met them (laughs) And it was possible. Yeah. You know? And there is a lot of power in that thought of the collective womanness yes. and womanhood. Um, one of the, the, the fa- you know, facts that I, I find fascinating is, and if I'm trying, I think I got the number right. I always misremember it because I get dyslexic, but it's like 200, <laughs> something like 225 women give birth every minute. Oh my gosh. Right? Incredible. So there's that many, like oh, every single one doing their own different variation of birth, but you're all in it together every single minute. Yeah. Yeah. And that there are just women out there that know exactly what you're going through mm-hmm. and like will give you that strength that you need, you know? Um, that was really cool. And again, like that stuff I didn't plan for, that mm-hmm. kind of I just came up with that in the moment. You know, um, no, and I love it. It's beautiful. And because you had faces, you had specific faces and names yeah. and identities to good births yeah. <laughs> to bring, you know, into your own. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, from this whole experience, like, what it, it sounds, I, I was going to say, you know, like, what was different than what different than when you expected, or what would you change, or what, but it, 
just sounds like it just all happened according to wishes, which okay. never happens. But but again, he came on his due date, so there you go. <laughs> he came on his due date. Everything according to plan. Um, I was thinking about that. I'm like, what would I change? Because like I don't. It was perfect. It was the perfect just birth, and and I mean it was hard, but it was like you know I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, I think it would be two things. It would be following my intuition sooner. And letting go more quickly. Um, I felt like I needed to have absolutely everything in order in order for me to be fully in the in the process. Like I remember that day that I started with the early labor, I was still tying up loose ends for work, and I was like, "This is crazy! Like whatever is not done is just gonna wait till I get back." You know, I'm not gonna keep working. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna keep. You know, doing and if you have, I know not everybody can do that, but if you have that, you know, option to kind of stop, even mentally. For me, it was just mentally, like stopping. You know, um, so letting go more quickly, following mm. my intuition sooner, um, I think were the only things I would change because that caused a lot of stress and anxiety for me. Um, I think throughout the pregnancy, especially with the switch to the midwife practice, I second guessed myself a lot. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I felt like I had to have factual reasons as to why it made sense, even though everything that I was saying, it made perfect sense. Um, I, I was looking for things outside of, I think my intuition to like back it up, which ultimately that came, but you know. Right. And then you also had a, I mean, you put it, you're breaking up with your OB, like you had a previous relationship yeah. with this person that was significant and important part of your life. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, but it is a great realization to understand that your obstetric needs and your gynecolo- gynecological needs are two yeah. separate beasts. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that was I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm not gonna be able to go back to her after having the baby. <laughs> so I'm like, but it it all worked out because actually the practice, the midwife practice, they do OB stuff too. Yep. So, which I didn't know. Yeah. So yeah. Midwives do well woman care. Yep. Yeah. All stages of life. Yeah. I had no idea about that. So huge learning curve. Um, but that's, and, and I, and it's such a blessing, right? To be at the other side of it and be like, you know, I, those are the only two things that I would change, you oh. know, like, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and so, now I'm going to switch tacks here. As lovely and blissful as that was, you did yeah. hint a little bit to postpartum period, those first few weeks not being so lovely and charming. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Would love to um, because I think it's so important for women to to get the right support, right? And I was big on support just from, again, listening to you and just, you know, I'm a marriage and family therapist, so working with women and families, I'm like, you know, I wanted my support set up. And I kind of, in my head, I'm like, well, this person, like my sister will be around and this person will be around, and but I didn't have it scheduled in. You know, I'm like, I don't need to schedule it. Like, I'll, we'll figure it out, you know, in the first six weeks, I think is when I'll need the most help. And that didn't happen. Um baby was born with a little bit of a tongue tie. So like he had this amazing, wonderful, blissful birth. And then the midwife was like, "Ugh, I hear this suckling. I think he has a little bit of a tongue tie. So breastfeeding was super hard 
Um, and that is something I did very little prep on because I'm like, it's natural. It'll just come. How hard can it be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if your baby's got a little bit of an issue going on, it's it's a lot. It's mm. super challenging. And, um, and you're exhausted and you're trying to, like, give your baby a basic need, right? So there's so much stress and everything involved in that. So there was that piece going on. Um, and then just figuring out what support looked like for me. So I, I had a wonderfully supportive husband. He stayed home for two weeks, but two weeks is like, it's nothing. <laughs> You're like just getting your bearings at, mm. at two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I was sharing with, with you that, you know, my little guy was <clears throat> just sensitive. And so even, you know, now that he's three and a half months, so we're in a little bit more of a groove, but he's just a sensitive little guy. Like he gets startled quickly by noises and that kind of stuff. And you don't know what kind of newborn you're going to have and how much support you're going to need. So um, my big thing was, yeah, not I had support, but I didn't have enough and not really scheduling that in like, you know, who's doing this, who's doing that. Luckily, we had um, our church community who was wonderful. Like we had people bring us food for the first couple of weeks and that helped a lot. And that's something else kind of came together. I didn't schedule. <laughs> can you say that again i think i think we lost you for a second yeah no just when you don't have things scheduled mm-hmm. you, it, it doesn't come together as easily as you think it will because you are all hands on deck with this little newborn and so i just completely underestimated how hard it was going to be having a newborn because i nattied before i'm like i'm just worried about having the birth that i want once he's here i'll i got it and i didn't <laughs> um I was completely overwhelmed because you're, you know, you're responsible for this life that needs you every minute of the day. While at the same, every minute of the day, while at the same time, like you're going through all your stuff and figuring out who you are and you're changed in identity from individual to mom and then little sleep deprivation and recovering from pregnancy. Like there is so much to it. Yeah. So, so, so much. And I did, um, I did placenta encapsulation and I was like, well, I'm going to do that. That's going to be like my postpartum depression, anxiety, like plan. And the doula who did it was, it's just so fantastic and wise and has been doing this forever. And she came and she brought me my pills and I told her that. And she's like, yes, but you also need nutrition and support. And those three things together is what's going to get you through this. And she was so right. <laughs> she was so, I'll so add sleep right. to her list. <laughs> yeah. Sleep. Oh my God. And yeah, you don't think, you think because newborns, I thought I was like, well, I'll just sleep when the baby sleeps and yes, but if they fall asleep on you or if your house is a wreck and you need that to kind of have a quiet mind for a minute, like it's, it doesn't always work out that way. (laughs) No, no. I a really good trick. Like I, because I, I can appreciate sleep when the baby sleeps, but that doesn't quite get to the end of it. And, and you don't then realize how much, how little you're sleeping or how little, how much you're not sleeping if you're doing that. So what I might, the recommendation that I like to give people is to think about before they were pregnant, how, what a good night's sleep was like eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, whatever that was and try to get that much in a 24-hour period. So meaning if it's 7 in the morning and you've had three hours of sleep chopped up during the night, then get some food or go to the bathroom, go back to bed, and then go back to bed and keep going back to bed until you get you add up to eight hours. Yeah. And 
then you get up for the day and take a shower and whatever. And if that means it's four in the afternoon, who cares? Because you're going to be up at four in the morning and the baby doesn't know any different. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I printed out your postpartum plan. I remember seeing that and then not really doing that. And like just for everyone that's listening that's going to have a baby, like really do it because I remember just being so depleted. And again, that on top of not having the support in place that I thought would be there. Like my sister had some stuff going on. She lives in Rhode Island. So I thought she'd be able to come down. She wasn't able to, um, she was able to visit, but not like stay with me. Like I thought that she would be, and just like different things that you just can't predict that didn't end up happening. And so I was just so depleted, you know, Mm. by, by the time, forget about it. By the time he was six weeks, I was like completely burnt out, you know? Um, yeah. No, no, it is a long marathon. You've got to like, you're in for the long haul. Three months at the very least, and then things really get interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned my postpartum plan, so I'm going to remind all mighty listeners out there, if you go to birthful.com, I have a a free postpartum plan that you can fill out um, that is like the first stepping stone into helping you find your way postpartum. Yeah. yeah, I also have a class, but you know, we Do get so class. fixated on preparing for yeah. having a baby and not for yeah. having a birth or having a birth and not having a baby. Yeah, yeah, which I get it because it's like it's you know so many things can happen, especially if you have certain wishes and you want to have the yeah. baby in this country with those certain wishes. Um, there's a lot, but then there's this other part that's so important too, mm. and I. Um, so yeah, so I was I was aware, but I just even with that awareness had no idea <laughs> like what what I was in for. Um but everything now is good. You know, babies breastfeeding is amazing. It was it's just night and day from what it from what it was. It's did incredible. you have did you have to correct the lip to, the the tongue tie? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and that was a whole long road. We had um we we did two things. We had it clipped. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of have and had mixed feelings about, but that was something else. He was three days old and we were driving into New York City to have it clipped, you know, like so much on a new mom. And um, then there were still some pain and issues until he was like six weeks. We ended up doing craniosacral therapy, which with a fantastic woman who does it in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after kind of the breastfeeding had resolved really, but she, I did a, a class with her and she was like, yeah, I see some of the issues that just the clip isn't going to address. Um, and even though the breastfeeding feels better, you know, this might be helpful for him overall. So we ended up doing that, um, which we're really happy with. So, so yeah, it's, it's night and day, but I just, I really, and that was a, the other support piece, right? Like I really wanted the breastfeeding to work and it was really hard to find support in that, meaning that a lot of my friends and even my husband sometimes would be like, you know, I know that you want this, but like if it's exhausting you, and he was also eating every hour, <laughs> which I didn't know that that would happen. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 and and it might, and it's a combination of things, right? Great. It's you're you're at the mercy of this little tummy, and this little tummy empties really quick and needs to be filled often. But if it's not even getting filled because of issue, you know, like transfer problems or somehow, then it needs to be filled more often. Yeah, yeah. So like nipples not having a break at 
all you know now if you went to eat every hour like it wouldn't even really matter because I'm so comfortable with it I mean Mm -hmm. I'm sure it would build up but like especially in the beginning like I was just like two hours it was literally double the work than what they say the average is which is every two hours um so we never had that (laughs) didn't go to every two hours until it was like six seven weeks Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was just like pixie dust one day it didn't hurt anymore and it was amazing no but yeah, having this, finding the support of people just being like, oh, well, just give them a bottle, like just give them formula just and there's nothing wrong with that. Like if, if there are other issues, but as long as there was like a door kind of open and he was eating, I'm like, I want to make this work. And it's not because I feel like because I don't know, I just felt like there was a judgment like you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to. But I'm like, no, I really want this for right? my like it's a decision I made. Like, I really want this unless there's unless it can't happen. Mm-hmm. Then I'm not force it but if it's kind of working I want to keep at it you know so it was hard finding support in that too yeah Um, and it is really important to you know to consider that it is going to be hard it's natural but it's a learning curve for both you and baby and every along with all the other things you're learning so you it does require you to stick with it if you you know to your own comfort level right yeah yeah, if you want it and if you can do it, you know, and I, so I feel overall, I feel grateful. I know that there are moms like that, you know, like they can't get the breastfeeding to work no matter what they do. Like mm-hmm. it just won't. Work. Um, so I'm grateful that it was able to, but it was just really hard. I was, I was surprised at how hard the after, yeah. <laughs> the after. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that things are falling into place and they're getting yeah. better and, and you've you've survived. You've come, yeah. <laughs> come through. <laughs> yeah, they're getting they're getting much easier. Yay. Well, easier. <laughs> Good. Well, and thank you so, so much for coming on the show to share your beautiful story and and to just shed more light into this whole thing of having a baby and then having having a birth and having a baby. Yeah, taking care of it taking care of them the baby thank you so much for having me this was awesome mighty ones i love to hear from you so share with me your thoughts and if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about let me know go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me the show patreon member benefits send me messages and more i'm also on facebook or twitter as at birthful so come say hi And if you're pregnant, don't forget to check out my Thrive with Your Newborn postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Reverie Powerbeds. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another Mighty Mama about her birth story or stories here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.